Now we're going to continue our series in Philippians and we're looking at Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. The title of the message is the antidote to anxiety. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. I'm reading the ESV translation. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the simple reality for us this afternoon is that we have two realities to live from. To choose to be trapped by the perpetual anxiety, or we can allow the peace of God to rule our hearts and minds. These verses unpack those two realities for us, and Paul ultimately creates a clear pathway for us to navigate from one to the other. Now it's important to know that Paul here is referencing from Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in Matthew 6. And the word translated anxious is identical to the word that Paul uses for concern when he is speaking to Timothy in Philippians 2.20, where he encourages Timothy to have concern for the people at Philippi, a concern for others. But unlike that, unlike Philippians 2.20, in verses, verse 6 here of Philippians 4, Paul is referencing concern for issues that we have no ability to control. Or if we want to take it a step further, we are referencing concerns for issues that we may have control over, but we have not yet surrendered to God. And that provokes for me a timely question. What causes us to be anxious? Have we decided somehow that God has vacated his throne in this moment? Certainly not. Now let's be clear, Paul is not talking about fake or fictitious anxieties, and he's not attempting to display, uh, to dismiss rather, or to downplay any anxiousness that we may possess. Paul is utterly convinced that God is able and willing to help. The question for you this afternoon, do you believe the same today? Have you ever heard of the phrase, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem? If Paul had only written verse 6 and left out verse 7, then he, Paul, would have been part of the problem. But Paul simply does not command us to stop being anxious without giving us a viable answer. He highlights the problem, but he also presents a solution. And it's important for us to remember this afternoon that Paul only presents one solution, not a menu of options for us to choose from, one solution. So here's what Paul's prayer is not this afternoon. It is not inactive or passive. This demands a response from us today. It is not apathetic. Paul does not simply tell us to deny or ignore the challenges that are emerging in our lives. But it is also not an opportunity for us to withdraw. I don't know about you, but there's times in people's lives where we can become anxious, fearful, worried. The default reaction is to withdraw from family, from friends, church life, etc. to try and deal with the issue. Well, Paul doesn't encourage us to do that either. Paul tells us very clearly that the antidote to concern, to anxiousness, is to pour out our heart to God in prayer. That leads me to my next question this afternoon. Is that our first response? when we find ourselves in anxious moments. I suspect for some of us that's not the case. Freedom from anxiety develops 
and become successful when you intentionally open up your heart, open up your mind to God and you share your heart and mind with him. Now I want to tackle this afternoon the blatant contrast that Paul here presents being anxious for nothing but be prayerful in everything. So let's examine what anxiousness is. Let's be clear, anxiousness is always rooted in self. Prayer on the other hand is always rooted in God. So that's the first contrast. Anxiety always presents a very narrow, distorted, minimalistic view of life. All you see is the problem, right? If you've ever been anxious, all you see is the problem, all you see is the challenge that's around you. Prayer embraces an all-encompassing, healthy view of life that always sees the problem as a potential to overcome, a potential to win, a potential to be victorious in. And moreover, we know that God is bigger than our biggest challenges, both now and forever. Another example, anxiety is always horizontal in its approach, whereas prayer is always vertical. And so when you worry about something or when you're anxious about something, you always end up analyzing your life. Could I have done this differently? Should I have said that differently? Maybe I could have gone there and not there. We always start examining and exploring and analyzing life around us. And that causes us to look a little bit inwards. Whereas prayer is fundamentally different. The psalmist captures it perfectly for us in Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The contrasts continue. Don't know about you, I can be a little introspective on occasions and look inwardly when I'm anxious. And that's exactly what anxiousness creates. It causes us to look inward for us to find the solution to the problem. But prayer always looks outward, knowing that we will never be able to capture the answer for ourselves, but God can. Why? Because it's God dependence or self-reliance. And friends, the choice is ours this afternoon. I encourage you, lean into God dependence. And that is simply true for all of us. When we are anxious, our circumstances, our challenges, they have the ability to control us. And this causes us to lose sight of both the power and the goodness of God in our lives. But when you are prayerful, those challenges, those, those challenges in your life recoil and the power that they're attached to them disintegrates. And then you're left just bathing in the glory and the goodness of God. Anxiety, simply put, is a concern over circumstances that you can't control. Prayer is the confidence in the God who controls your circumstances. Anxiety is always an expression of fear. It's, it's trepidation, it's about anxiousness about what's going to happen or what could happen. Nothing healthy emerges from that. Prayer is an expression of faith every single time that God is in control. And this is why the antidote to, prayer, uh, to anxiety is always prayer every single time. And so let's explore some of the characteristics of Paul's prayer word by word this afternoon so we have a comprehensive understanding of what Paul is actually conveying to us. In everything, two words, in everything, which means irrespective of how serious or not our situation is, in every single circumstance, no matter the challenge, no matter the issue, the contrast here is very, very clear. Be anxious in nothing, but be prayerful in everything. Prayer, which means this covers every single type of prayer, intercession, 
whether it's thanksgiving, whether it's praise, whether it's worship, every type of prayer has to be captured in that moment. Now here's an interesting word, supplication. So it's not enough to be prayerful because he then encourages supplication. Now here, what he's conveying is a sense of want and a sense of need. That should instill in us a focus towards God being our sole provider for every single facet of our lives. Now I want to address the men here just for a moment, because men, even in the church, we think success can be defined by having a macho image of grandeur and independence. And generally speaking, men are, we are not always the best at sharing our genuine needs, as that will indicate weakness that cuts across the image that we want to present. But basically, male pride does not sit well with Paul's prayer. This needs urgent attention in the body of Christ. But then he takes it a step further. And Paul says, with thanksgiving. Now here's an idea, guys. The next time you pray, remind yourself of all the prayers that God has already answered. That should lend perspective in every part of your life. That should give you a focus around the goodness, the power, the majesty, and the glory of God operating and functioning in every single part of your life. The thanksgiving that Paul is stipulating here is not a tokenistic, nominal attempt at thanksgiving. Oh, well, you know, thank you God, I got up today, praise God. No, it's so much more than that. It's richer, it's deeper, it's more robust, and it's consistent in every single area of our lives. Because, you know, the more you focus on the goodness of God, it is impossible to become angry or bitter when you are in the presence of God. When your heart and your mind is full of every prayer, every sense of provision, every sense of protection that God has ever afforded to you, how on earth can you allow yourself to then sit in a position of bitterness and anger towards God? It will shift your perspective. You know why? Because thanksgiving will facilitate confidence in your heart and in your life for any and every future request that you will present to God. Because if you consistently remind yourself of everything that God has afforded to you, everything that God has broken in through in your life before, it will deeply enrich and empower your focus, your heart, your prayer life for every future request. Remind yourself of the psalmist in Psalm 77, one of my favorite psalms. He's discouraged, he's demotivated in the early, early verses of Psalm 77. But then he reminds himself of the goodness of God. Verse 11 declares, But then I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. Our God is faithful. He is consistent even when we are not. And when we intimately and personally encounter what God can do in response to our prayers, it will cause your prayer life to grow, to develop and intensify. Simply put, thanksgiving has a way of dismantling the challenges and the power and the pressure of every single present trouble that you have in your life. Can I get an amen this afternoon, Katie? Praise God. But Paul also wants us to thank God in every prayer, whether or not those prayers happen, whether or not they happen in the timing that we want them to, or even in the way that we want them to. And then he moves on and he uses the word requests. It's an interesting word. Paul is encouraging us here. Be specific with your requests. None of this nominal, tokenistic, flimsy, kind of broad requests. Be specific 
What are you desiring of God? What are you believing God for? We know that God knows our needs. Matthew 6 verse 8 declares, Your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. But He still wants us to ask Him because we, He wants to have all the glory in every part of our lives. And then Paul uses the next two words are to God, which is interesting because you were in the presence of God. Now, when you think about your relationships with other people, we will always find that there will be times where conversations will grow and flow and develop when you open up about your challenges, you open up about your issues, you open up about different parts of your life. But then there are times where you find that God and God alone is the only other person in a conversation that you wish to have. Why? Because he alone is your strength. He alone is your fortress. He alone is everything that you need him to be. And so what Paul is highlighting here for us is that we almost always go to God. Now, we've highlighted the characteristics of the prayer. Now Paul gives us the consequences, the outcomes, if you like, of these prayers. This is basically Paul declaring to us a highly reassuring affirmation that the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in ways that our hearts and minds will never be able to comprehend. Now it's interesting, a little bit of theological commentary checks here confirms to me that the phrase, the peace of God, this is the only time it's referenced in the New Testament. Now he's not talking about peace with God, and you may think, well, why? Because if you're not at peace with God, you will never experience the peace of God. Now, Paul is also not referencing peace that God can supply to us as his children. Paul is referencing about the peace that is found in God and God himself. There's a crucial distinction there, because anyone Ultimately, if they choose to put their faith in God, can experience God's peace. There is a joy, a calmness, a security that is attached to it. And ultimately, this is a mirror reflection of God's heart towards us, his children, in whom he loves and in whom he is well pleased. Because when you passionately pour out your heart and your requests to God, something of God's heart and nature and character is drawn to you, is captured by you, and you start to experience God's peace in every circumstance of your life. Therefore, the anxiety starts to dissipate, the concerns are eroding, and you're left with the grace and the peace of God in every part of your life. The peace of God is always accessible and available to us as believers when we pray. It is your portion. Amen? It is majestically and definitively surpasses the brightest human brain and comprehension. Why? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We need to understand, and we more, moreover, we need to accept that our human minds will never be able to comprehend completely the peace of God. We must learn to accept that. This peace 
is something that will never be reduced to mere human terms or understanding, no matter how bright you are, no matter your IQ this afternoon. Now, also, it's important to know that this piece is not some temporary emotional response to a situation or even this sermon to help us uh, navigate away past some flimsy or anxious moments in our lives. The world will never be able to reproduce or facilitate this piece. Why? Because it is God-shaped and it is God-given. Now let's look at the result that this piece produces. It will guard your hearts and your mind and therefore in the midst of your circumstances God's peace is your security and therefore fear, worry and anxiousness has no place in your heart and no place in the life of any believer. Now it's important also that you don't allow yourself to be misled into thinking that this promise is available to anyone. It is simply not the case. This is an assurance that emerges from the peace of God found in Christ. So if you don't know Christ, unfortunately this promise is not currently accessible to you and therefore I encourage you this afternoon place your hope place your confidence place your trust in God and you will start to experience peace that you have never experienced at any point in your life now we do need to take a moment to verbalize what the Apostle Paul has not said here there is no guarantee that our requests will develop in ways that we anticipate them to we must be prepared for that how often do we pray prayers to God and demand that they're answered in the timeline that we want them to, in the way that we want them to, in the shape and the form that we want them to? No, no, no. We have to surrender that. We have to trust God. We have to trust the process. Now, we also need to acknowledge that the problems and the pains don't simply dissipate simply because we declare those verses over our lives. We need to anchor and root ourself in Christ. We need to be in intimate fellowship with him and as we do that we will experience his perfect peace. What Paul does confirm to us is that our perfect lovingly heavenly father will fill our hearts and minds with peace as we respond to the challenges, the anxieties, the issues of life and therefore we will lead out of here victorious because we have placed our trust where our trust has been earned in God's word, which is inerrant and infallible, and in his promises, which are right the way through the scriptures. And I encourage you this afternoon, find some promises in the Bible, declare them each and every day over your life, and you will start to experience peace like never before. So let's take a step back for a moment and reflect on what we've actually explored and learnt today. Let's crystallize what everything Paul has communicated. Paul has set his stall out here. He has held nothing back and removed every limitation and excuse that we could present. His words are all inclusive, all encompassing. There are no outs for us as Christians today. Our only response is to accept what he has said and live out Paul's words as we find solutions to any form of anxiousness. The truth apart from which nothing here makes any sense to us is that God has promised for us as his children marvelous things that we simply cannot do ourselves. We should remind ourselves of God's goodness, of God's peace and God's provision and come fully alive in him by declaring God's word. So I want to leave you with a few words from the scriptures that I hope you will embrace and encourage you. 
Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What about John 15 verse 7? The, the context we know well is all about abiding in Christ. If you abide in him and he in you, then you will produce much fruit. But verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you ask for, it will be done for you. Amen. Or 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked for him. God's word is so clear. It is available to us. It's accessible to us. And so your anxiousness over your future, over your ministry, over your finances, over your relationships, over your work, your family, over every area of your life has ultimately no control if you choose to anchor yourself in God's word. Paul makes it so clear, friends, in verse 7. That's the answer. The issue he raises in verse 6 and he answers it in verse, uh, verse 6b rather and he answers it in 6b and 7. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, but that alone is insufficient because he requires thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Remind yourself today that you are in Christ, that you have the victory in Christ, in Jesus' precious name. I pray this word has blessed you powerfully and that you will move forward in victory across every single area of your life as you live out Paul's words so clearly to us in verses 6 and 7.